Lovers, this episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. We all know that there is more to confidence in the bedroom or the kitchen or the sex club or a stairwell or the woods or wherever you are. There's so much more to sex wherever you do it than just jackhammering away. But if all you're missing in your relationship is some mutually beneficial stiffness, check out BlueChew.com. BlueChew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you are approved, you'll receive a prescription within days. The best part? It's all done online, so no visits to the doctor's office with the doctors that never got trained in sex ed and how to talk to people about it, plus no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet pack. They say that there is nothing sexier than confidence, and Blue Chew can help give you confidence where it counts. Of course, I know you sweet listeners know that using confidence to connect, if you can be confident enough to be really vulnerable with someone, to communicate, to create a safe space that you occupy together, that is super hot. That's the foundation of a connection. And if you have a boner, that can definitely help you do certain things that you know that I love, just as long as you don't skip all the other stuff too. Blue Chew and I want you to have better sex. Discover your options at bluechew.com. And as they say, chew it and do it. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code LOVER. At checkout, you just pay $5 shipping. That is bluechew.com promo code LOVER to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And thank you to Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. Hello, lovely humans. I'm Wyoli, and you are listening to Sex Stories, a podcast where we share stories to smash shame and make the world a sexier, more loving place where taking care of each other is the norm. And our guest today is an original, shame-destroying revolutionary, a sex and relationship coach, educator, and co-owner of a mother-daughter-owned pleasure boutique. She is a painfully straight, non-monogamous person who is into sensual doms who love pussy worship and has a tried-and-true method of drive-by daddying has also recently discovered she is a full-on brat. You may already know her from her incredible podcast, Shameless Sex, and she and her co-host, April Lamper, also recently released a book by the same name, so go check it out. Welcome, Amy Baldwin! Oh, thank you so much for having me here. And I love that intro. It's the, probably my favorite intro I've ever heard because <sighs> Brat's never been in there. And I love being a Brat. So thank you. <laughs> I love that. Wait, let's pause there for a minute. So you discovered you were a Brat. How? Yes. <laughs> the short version of the origin story would be when I was 18 to 22. And I was in a very loving long-term partnership at a young age. I <laughs> knew I wanted to feel small and I didn't know how to describe it. I would say to my partner, I want to feel small. Can you make me feel small? I'm over five, nine, five, nine and a mm. quarter ish. Mm -hmm. And he had no idea what to do with it. I didn't really know what to do with it. I didn't know what that meant. I just knew that I wanted this compact feeling that I don't mm. feel in everyday life. And I'm also mm. a doer. I'm a very proactive person. And anyway, so as the years went by, I discovered that I'm actually a sub. I like percentages because I'm a very heady person. So I yeah. go with like, I'm 90% subby okay. and 10% I can be switchy. But my top energy is very much, it's a small window. <laughs> <laughs> 
And I didn't realize though that my subby energy could transform. And and so now knowing that in the last two years, I discovered that it's a brat. And it's not always a brat. It can be like a central loving sub. I can be, you know, worshiping sub. Mm-hmm. And I can also be the bratty one where everything that you're telling me, I'm like, hmm. Yeah, I'm not going to do that, but you're probably going to make me do that. But like, it's on my own terms, right? I like to defy because at the end of the day, I always win. And that's <sighs> the story that I have with any lover that I have, my current partner, any future or present lovers is I will always win because I'm a subby brat and I'm topping from the bottom. <laughs> oh, and wow. it's lovely. So when I'm bad, I win. When I'm good, I win. I always win. <laughs> oh my God, that's genius. Can you start off by rating yourself on a sexual shame-a-meter? If 10 is the most full of shame ever and one is like no more shame, where do you fall today? Today? Oh, wow. Today would be close to a zero. Fuck yeah. But if you asked me five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, it would be a higher number. For sure, 20 years ago, you know, teenage Amy, and I'm 38 now, would have had a lot more shame around who I am as a sexual being. And as I say that, I was raised in Santa Cruz, California, so like a little more progressive. But And as I say that as well, it's not like a sunshine and rainbows city. People think like, oh, Santa Cruz, if you've heard of it. You're like, oh, that sounds like it's so progressive. It is in so many ways. And we have comprehensive sex education. I opened up a sex shop with my mom mm-hmm. in my early 20s in Santa Cruz. It was very easy to open a sex shop, too, because there's a lot of city ordinances. And also people would be astounded by the fact that I could talk about dildos and anal sex next to my mom in a sex shop. So I was with the way I was raised was sex is not a bad thing. You're probably going to have sex in your teenage years. It's okay. You can do it in your bedroom in our house. And I think that was like the first couple steps on not being a super shameful human around sexuality. But I still didn't have a lot of the education around pleasure, right? Like mm. I knew sex wasn't bad. I knew how to protect myself against pregnancy, STIs, but no one taught me about orgasms, masturbation, a lot of the things that would have been really vital to yeah. have really epic sex or not epic maybe, but good sex pleasurable sex, enjoyable sex, connected sex at a younger age. And it took years, like my mid twenties to start to go into that place. And now at 38, I am my most shameless self, hence my podcast name, Shameless Sex. Fuck yeah. yeah. Does it still ever creep up? Or like, what are the areas where shame does kind of, because mine are so funny, right? Like, it's not about sex. It's not about talking about sex. But there are these like really weird moments where I'm like, oh my God, I'm telling people about my work related to sex or like some, you know, in, in random circumstances. So like, does it ever still attack you? Do you get shame attacks? Yeah. Shame. I like that. It's like panic attacks, but shame attacks. So I personally see the difference between embarrassment and shame, right? So there's these times I'm talking about certain things where I feel embarrassment. I get all red in the face. I have a weird, awkward smile. I don't even, I'm like, let me tell you about like on an airplane. And someone's like, what do you do for a living? I'm like, oh my God, how long is this flight? Do I really want to tell you? I'm a sex educator, a sex and relationship coach, all these pieces. I have a podcast. You know, if it's an hour flight, sure. But if we have four hours next to each other, I'm like, do I really want to tell you about this? Because not all people can handle it, meaning it can be twisted into one, you're a super freak. You're into everything. You're so wild. Let me tell you all the things. I'm a swinger. I've done all the things. What about you? And I don't really want to be a sex therapist on the plane. God. Do you get that too? <laughs> 
Well, I am the super freak, and I do want to hear the stories <laughs> on the plane, but I try to be conscious of other people around us. And yeah, yeah, <laughs> I feel that. You're closer to April, who would have been here. She's my co-host of the podcast. And April is the person on the four plus hour flight that loves to talk to her neighbor. And I'm a little bit of an introvert, and it's mm-hmm. not based on shame. It's more like I just recharge by not connecting with people. So, yeah, I don't think shame pops up, at least around sex. It will pop around other things in my life. Like one thing that I recently came out about, hence the name Shameless Sex, but it's not just about sex. It's just trying to be as shameless as possible about life. Is I came out on our podcast about having an addiction problem for a couple years with a Mm -hmm. substance. I'm not going to out the substance. I don't really feel like it's necessary. So that brings up that like, oh God, is everyone going to hate me? Am I bad? Am I wrong? Are you not going to love me? But when it comes to sex, I don't really have that anymore. That's gone into another plane and hopefully it never comes back. Fuck yeah. That's beautiful. I still get like shamey around like, oh no, I like it too much. I'm so crazy. You know, like, and then like the connection problems that ensue from that or the ones that I'm saying are problems. Tell us what is sex to you? You've been bathing in it for years. Like what is it to April? So sex is at least now for me, and I'd say for the last 10 years, I personally define, and I think it's important for everyone to define what sex is for them, and I'm sure you would agree. Sex to me is anything and everything that anyone thinks is sex, if that's what you think is sex, because it's your own definition. So to me, when I am having sex, it could be I'm naked with my partner and we're just making out and there's no genital touch with fingers or mouths. And to me, that can still be a part of sex. As a non-monogamous person, I've had you know encounters with people where I go on a date and we just make out. I wouldn't say it was sex in that case. Maybe nakedness has something to do with it, Mm -hmm. but it's just always evolving. There's not any set definition. And when I say that, it's my definition. I don't think anyone should define sex as, you know, my way or anyone else's way. It's whatever you think that is. And I will push for people to redefine sex to be beyond penetration, you know, something going into an orifice or the traditional version is a penis goes into a vagina. I work with couples. I have since 2016. And one of the big problems, there's a lot of them, but one of the biggest problems that people are seeing in their relationships is that it's so limited, right? Mm -hmm. Sex is you put your cock inside of me or there's something inside of me or orgasms has to have an orgasm. And I think when we move away from that and we define sex as something broader, there's so many more opportunities for us to have sex with our yeah. partners, especially in long-term relationships when like sex can be challenging, especially if you have kids, you're married, you're busy. I mean, your in-laws live in the house. I don't know what your life is like, but if it is just this one narrow way of being sexual, that can be really challenging because I personally have many times in my life where I want to be sexual, but I don't want something inside of me. I also don't have time. My body takes a long time to warm up. So Mm. it's not even on the menu, but I can Mm. still have sex. I'm doing air quotes without it having to really be this huge event. Like I can have sex in five minutes if I want to, and nothing's inside of me. And that's my definition. Ooh, I love that. I love that. Tell us now what is sexy to you? Sexy. Well, my personal (laughs) sexy. So I'll talk about sexy in a partner and sexy in myself. I could even talk about sexy outside of myself. But for me, I learned how to tap into my ultimate sexy. 
I thought I knew what it was. And then I did a sex and relationship coaching training through Somatica. And Emily Morse, Dr. Emily Morse from Sex with Emily, the podcast was in the training and that's we became really good friends. That's how my podcast with April started in getting to know her and guessing her show. But one of the exercises was to, and I, I had been a meditator for years, so I knew like eroticism and I knew how to be present with touch. And I knew they both added up to some really good stuff. And so one of the exercises was for me to touch Emily with like full clothes on because that's the somatica way. You never take clothes off for the practices and touch her in a way where I am putting my, like sending out my eroticism with Mm. presence. Mm. And I was touching her body over her clothes and the main instructor was two of them, but one of the instructors, Celeste came up and I was like, Oh fuck the instructors here. Oh my God. Oh my God. And She's like, hmm, how is that for you, Emily? And Emily was like, yeah, not that erotic. And I was like, fuck, I'm doing it <laughs> Because I was just doing this like, you know, meditator, like presence, presence, presence. And, and I wasn't like tapping into, and when I think of tapping into, I think of like sending my energy downward into my pussy and then mm-hmm. sending outward to the person that I'm consensually touching through mm-hmm. where, however I'm touching them. So this would be through my hands. I didn't know how to do that at that point. So then they pulled me aside, taught me a couple things. And all of a sudden, I discovered this superpower all within one day of how to, like, I would say breathe myself into it, but it's beyond breath. Is There's imagination. It's like taking time for myself, closing my eyes, honing in on like Amy's sexy. And Amy's sexy is primal. She's like a little bit of a not a little bit, a lot of bit of an animal. She's mm-hmm. cat-like. She wants to grab and claw and pet herself and others and be pet and clawed and all the things. And sometimes she's sultry and she says things in sultry words. Sometimes she's playful and it's almost like she's like 10-year-old. And there's all these different sides to her. So that's my sexy. When I see a lover being sexy, because I'm a subby person, they're generally in like the strong masculine of some sort. This is why I'm painfully straight. Although I know that Volvo owning folks can tap into the strong masculine. And I have been intimate with a number of wonderful dominant Volvo owning folks, but I'm five, nine and a quarter. Okay. So <laughs> they have to be taller than me. There's something about body size for me mm. that is really important. Okay. And I, I can't get beyond that. And so that sexy is, I feel taken care of, like I can release all of my wild aiminess, including crying, screaming, laughing, anger, all the things. And I'm not directing them like, fuck you, motherfucker, but more like, I'm feeling like, eh. and they yeah. can hold that. And that is so sexy. They're like, fuck oh, yeah, baby, let it out. Like my little girl's doing such a good job. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> <Sexy."> <laughs> that's awesome, dude. I feel that so hard. <laughs> On this note of being painfully straight, so there's a size thing, but like, when did you know you were straight? <laughs> Since I was like two and went to my mom, like, mom, can I have a boyfriend? I flirted with a bo-. I didn't say flirted. I didn't know what flirted was at two, but my mom has said, and I remember this being in preschool and me coming home and saying, this guy's my boyfriend. She's like, you're like four. You know what you mean? And it, you know, it was just that like I had a crush and I have had crushes on boys. Some of my first best friends were boys. I'm an only child who was not surrounded by sisters. But I, I was that girl that played with Barbies and wanted to chase snakes. When I say snakes, actual snakes, yeah. right? Like, <laughs> I wanted to race and play with the boys and play tag and get dirty. But I also want to play with Barbies and my little ponies. And so that was like this interesting 
think of like Amy's more so like gender spectrum. And as someone that's over five, nine, and maybe other people who are taller don't resonate with this. I'm not saying that just because people are tall, they're painfully straight. This is just my (laughs) thing with my body. And I have daddy issues, everyone. I have like major daddy issues. I know that that's where this originates from. Like my desire to have men show up in a strong, loving, dominant masculine role is because my dad didn't do that. And so the straightness part is not really related to genitals. Although I've never gone down on a pussy and I don't really desire to, and I don't really want a Volvo owner to touch my pussy. And that to me sometimes is silly because I'm like, it's fingers and mouths. And like, why does it matter? But I am an energetic person. Mm -hmm. So the energy matters to me and the connection piece and like all the pieces. I'm not just a sexual person. I remember taking I don't know if you, you know of Jaya, Jaya, yeah, yeah, yeah. her erotic blueprints. I took her quiz. I scored zero as a sexual. And I'm like, I'm a sexual person. What do you really? mean? Yeah. But it's because, so for me, when I see a hot naked body of all genders, it doesn't do shit for me. It could even be like the hottest muscular penis owning man. And it doesn't do anything for me. It's their energy that they bring in my direction. And so I think that that plays into my extreme straightness where I'm like so into cock energy, but not cocky cock energy into, you know, lovingly humble, confident cock energy is so hot. And the painful part is my mom's bisexual and that's not what makes it painful. I just see her in her life and I'm like, damn it, that looks awesome, right? Like she's like, I have a girlfriend right now. I have a boyfriend. I don't know what's next month. And you have a lot of queer friends. And I think women are beautiful. Yeah, I think they're gorgeous. I just don't feel the sexual attraction. I feel attraction. It's not sexual. Wow. Okay. I'm a person who feels sexual attraction like i'm one of the highest desire people i've ever encountered and and most of my life i just have to be like off 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 you know so like when i see a beautiful <laughs> naked body i'm not attracted to it cuz i don't know i have permission yet you know so for me it's all about kind of like finding that little piece that's so interesting cool thank you for sharing all those details you're like straight people do exist <laughs> that is that is what i said before we started recording yeah. well so so lately i've been kind of noodling on like is straightness not to dismiss anyone's experience ever but i started to get really really curious about straightness in terms of like is it just a culture how could we not but that's just cuz my brain is so extreme of like Yes. And I realized that like, I have higher curiosity, I have higher, like, I'm like into everything. And it, you know, which is terrible, because you need to filter at some point. And the thing that I'll add to that is that what I've learned through my own sexual experience is that it's always evolving and changing. So today, I might be like, I'm painfully straight. And, you know, in a year, five years, 10 years, that could completely change, right? So like, this is Amy today. And this has been Amy forever. And I have, you know, tested it many times. If you ask me really, like, how do you identify, I would say painfully straight or heteroflexible, meaning like I am open to the shift in my body and being because I know that it's possible, but I'm not going to like try to push it to be possible. I love that. Okay. So a lot of your origin story is in your book, which I encourage people to go read and your own work. But I would love to hear as a person who has been teaching and learning from other experts for so many years, so many different modalities. What do you wish modern sex ed was like? 
Ha! Oh my goodness. Okay, well, it would start with like what well, we already have in comprehensive sex education that's happening in certain areas, not all of them. Yeah. In fact, certainly not enough would be what that already is, right? Like how to protect yourself, how to attend to your body in a safe way, especially when it comes to consent, but also STIs, pregnancy, all those pieces that I received in comprehensive sex education. I would love for young people, I can't say the age because everyone's really different when they start to be sexual. I remember being a teenager or like a young teen, right? Like 13 and hearing about some girls who had like given blowjobs like, whoa, that's crazy. I haven't even made out with someone. So at least in California or Santa Cruz, I received comprehensive sex education, different variations in fifth, seventh, ninth grade. Yeah. And so I think in fifth grade, because this is like way before most young people are generally consensually having sexual experiences that are deemed as sex, right? They might already like spin the bottle and stuff and all those things. And I'm not speaking to like non-consensual sexual trauma because that can happen at any age. Right. So to have little bits about pleasure there even like, and it could be as simple as anyone that you're engaging with sexually, your pleasure is just as valid, if not you know, sometimes more important based on like, well, you can't say this to a fifth grader, but like your pleasure is just as valid and pleasure is important and healthy and masturbation is important and healthy. In fact, go and masturbate, discover your body. And, you know, we as parents or the school system or as friends, we accept that and respect that. And we're doing it too. So it's fifth grade, seventh grade, you're starting to hear stories like so-and-so gave a blowjob or a handjob or so you're a little more immersed in sex actually happening then i think we can even go be a little more descript and uh, graphic about pleasure and masturbation and actual sex like what it might look like to have sex with someone else to be touched by someone else on your genitals touching someone on their genitals so i would really like to see these conversations happening before people actually get into the mix of being sexual in a consensual way because then they would have less trial and error and less of those experiences like, I don't know if I liked it or it didn't feel very good or, you know, instead there could be so many more experiences. Like that was amazing. I only have one friend and I don't even, I think she's an anomaly who had her first sexual experience, like essentially. Oh, so have you heard the new term for losing your virginity, by the way? I just sexual learned debut? it the other day. What is it's it? called sexual debut. Yeah. Yes! yeah. I say, I say yeah, sexual, sexual debut. debut. <laughs> I had never heard that. And some people don't like it because they're like, it was not my debut. It was lame. But what if your first sexual experience of like it actually, whatever your definition of sex was, yeah. was actually somewhat pleasurable or super pleasurable and it really was a sexual debut into the world where you're like stoked on it in some way it might yeah. not be perfect but i think that the lack of information is the reason why that's not happening for most people especially and primarily vulva owning folks yeah. I always think about how in high school, you know, there would be those groups that would go out and pass out condoms, you know, free condoms. And I'm like, where was the lube? If someone had told me what lube was like early on, my first couple sexual experiences would have been so different, especially my second time having sex. I remember just being like, something doesn't seem right, but I have no idea. And then when I learned what lube was and learned about wetness, I was like, oh, that's what that was the problem. So I, I really feel all that. How important would you say sex is in your life? It is really, really important. And I already said this before, so everyone who's listening already heard my definition of sex. So it's not, you know, a cock inside of me. I mean, that's 
somewhat important, but it, it really, as a non-monogamous person too, you know, in dating other people, it, that's like the least important thing to me. It's more, I'm into like feeling desired and desiring. I'm feeling the attraction, the excitement, the newness, but it also it doesn't have to be new, but there's an aliveness there. And I think sexuality really holds that for me in being really alive. And it's a creative space because it's constantly changing and evolving, at least for me, not all people are having creative sex. For me, it's vital. It's my life force energy. And I imagine that a lot of folks who would identify as non-monogamous, and I'm and anyone listening, my non-monogamy journey, I've been monogamous pretty much most of my life. I'm in a four plus year relationship. We were monogamous for the first two years, monogamish for a year. Monogamish, Dan Savage made that term, coined it, came out of a term for the gay community, is shared experiences. That's how we define it in my world with my partner. And then we're now in the non-monogamous phase, meaning we're having solo experiences. And part of that is because sexuality is so important and the creativity and the aliveness that we feel from it is part of our life force energy. So Mm. it's a key player. You know, I wouldn't be able to be in a relationship that didn't have sexuality as a key component. You know, I can be 80 and not have a cock inside of me. That's fine because I know how to play with so many other things. We got fingers, we have mouths. I can have sex without even like having an orgasm or something even touching my genitals. And that will always be a part of my life. Yeah, fuck yeah. Will you give us a little just like overview of the landscape of your non-monogamous sex life? Like how do you enjoy meeting other people? How do you like to play with people that aren't? It sounds like you have a primary partner. So how do you like to kind of like engage there? And what are your criteria? Because like you're pretty much a sex expert. So like (laughs) is it hard to meet people? What do you do? Yeah, some people are like, oh, God, Amy Baldwin, she has sex. Ah, she either knows or is into everything or, the, ooh, that's really exciting. So it can be really intimidating. I actually, I love dating apps. I'm a huge fan of dating apps. I know some people don't like them. They feel like it's not real or it's exhausting. And I also have felt that many times with dating apps. I'm really honest on the dating apps. I say that I'm in an ENM relationship. I'm in a loving partnership. I've been monogamous, monogamous, and now we're exploring ENM. So I like that aspect of screening, right? Like on the apps where it's a swiping culture based on photos and the couple things that you say. If you read that and you're like, oh no, I'm not into ENM, then you're not my person to engage with right now. And that's totally cool. Yeah, yeah. I, almost prefer that screening process over the in-person world. I do like the in-person world. It's a deeper conversation to have with people to describe to them, you know, who I am and what I'm exploring. And I'm open to doing that. So I've had a lot of success with dating apps. I use Field and Hinge. I've had a lot of success on Field in terms of finding people that are more like my central doms because, you know, I like the central dom thing. And then on Hinge, I don't put, I'm into central doms in there because it's Hinge. It's a little more like mainstream, but I do say e and I've just magically found humans there that were really great I've also had some misses and that's just part of dating and that's okay. I'd have misses if it was in person and I met you, you know, at the yoga studio at a bar and we went home and be like, it's a miss. So yeah, I I really like the screening process that it offers. It just works for my heady brain and it's not for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. And do you like to play with people right away? Like, are you like, okay, sensual dom, chat, 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 go play, play session. Or like, what do you kind of feel into? Because you are such an energetic human and can you feel that energy across the ether or like how does that work for you it's hard to feel it in the ethers okay. across the ether. Same. i'm like i yeah, can't like, where are you can i poke you um, <laughs> but i can sense 
some of the ways that if I say something somewhat provocative or speaking to who I am as a sexual being, their response, even if it's just a text message, can tell me or inform me how they handle that or, you know, where they're at with it. And so I can get like some like, you know, low scale information. So I still go slow with that, but I'm not like, let's text for five weeks. You know, like I've gone to like on trips to Europe and I'm like, I have one day when I'm there, like, wait, let's meet up soon. You know, like we got to figure this out real quick. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I have limited time. And when it comes to actually meeting, so I I would like to meet people in person. If I have time, like, it's not like I have one night in Portugal or one night in Germany or one night wherever I am because I travel a lot. If I have time, like someone's in Santa Cruz where I live or I'm somewhere for you know, a week or somewhere where I go often, I would actually prefer to meet with someone, let's say Santa Cruz, where I can meet with you for like coffee or something, just to gauge the energy to see like, do we even like talking to each other? Because if we don't like talking to each other, I don't want to have air quotes again, sex, like even making out with you because I want to see that's important to me. You're not just a body to me. You're a person and that's vital. Yes. You're an energetic as well. And then if we start to engage sexually, I would prefer to layer it with experience by experience, day by day, not back to back days, but like the first day, let's just make out and see how that feels. And if that feels good, then next time let's make out with our clothes off, Ooh, Ooh. but not touch genitals. Maybe my, my panties are going to stay on because that's just safer. Ooh. And then the next time, if that last one felt good, then let's take the panties off and like start exploring genitals, but without putting things inside of orifices. I indulge and love the experiences that you can have I'll say slowness, but when I say slowness, it doesn't mean that I'm always moving slow. It's just by not moving to like the final destination. And I'm not doing that. So the final destination is so amazing. It's to make sure that I even want to go to the final destination. And when I say final, also, I'm like, I know that penetrative sex isn't the final destination. But for me, it's a really invasive experience. And that can be really amazing and mind blowing. But if I don't trust you and feel connected to you and like our bodies work really well together, it's not going to be good for me. And so I don't want to do that. Okay. Damn. I am the opposite. I'm like, is there something to put inside of me right now? Can I have it? Can I, you know, so I really have to work so hard to slow myself down. I'm like all the holes, fill them, you know? And so it's like, I just have to fucking calm this. So that's, that's very inspiring. The idea of, yeah, that many layers of progressions. Lovers, this episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. If you are listening to this, you are probably like me and you love sex. And you also know that fantastic sex takes more than just a boner. But if that's all that's missing in your connection with your partner, check out BlueChew.com. BlueChew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever the opportunity arises. You know, that's my favorite. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online, so no visits to the doctor's office, no dealing with the awkwardness that exists because physicians are not often given great guidance about how to talk about sensitive personal things like bone or softness, plus no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet pack. With Blue Chew, penis owners everywhere are excited to see the postman because when your package has arrived, your package has arrived. And you know I love a good package. And I have to say, am I allowed to say this? It was very hot when I had a partner who I already had a good, trusting, open relationship. He'd been working on his anxiety, cutting down on screens, meditating, he quit smoking, he started exercising regular, cutting out processed foods, all of that stuff. He was just of a certain age, and I'll just say, 
The night that he told me he was making his package arrive, it was a very super hot extra layer of turn on for me personally. So if it's for you, this is a super convenient resource. Blue Chew wants to help you have better sex. Discover your options at bluechew.com, chew it and do it. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code LOVER at checkout. You just pay $5 for shipping. That's bluechew.com promo code LOVER to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And thank you to Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. What makes bringing a new person into your life gratifying for you? Yeah, but you come back to the aliveness and the newness of feeling wanted and desired, but also the newness of getting to know someone in the connection, which is really interesting. So I'm actually a pretty introverted person. I describe myself yeah. as an introvert with extroverted tendencies. If you met me for like an hour, you probably would not assume that I was an introverted person. Same. I like to be out there in the world. And then and when my body hits a point after a couple hours of talking to new people, like people I know really well, I don't get exhausted by them. I'm not like, mm -hmm. I need Amy time. Oh, well, not my, not my partner. Like my partner is someone that I can spend, you know, 24 seven with. And that's fine. And also I can ask for my own time. But so out in the world of needing people, even if I'm really into them, like I could be super into someone and start making out with them. But because it's so new, I'm like excited meets like, Okay, but I think I need Amy time to process. Yeah. And it's not because it's heavy. It's just my system's way of taking things in. And I used to battle with them. Like, why? Why is it that I'm into this person? I want to be alone after three hours. Do I not like them? Sometimes I don't like them. Sometimes I don't actually really want to hang out with them again or anymore. But right. even when I do, it's just my system saying, like, let's take little moments to go and tend to ourselves. Me and my system, we're, we're a unit, to see, like, what we want to happen next. And that can't always happen in union with a new person for me. Yeah. yeah. I would love to hear specific ways that your like work life has influenced your personal life, which I understand is a huge question, but like, you know, I'm five years in and have had some interesting things loop back on themselves, but also have been so deeply inspired by so many things. So like, what are some of the like sexiest things maybe in Amy's life that have been a result of the work that you do? Group sex, sex parties, and I'm not necessarily talking about orgies, but being in environments where other people are sexual or having sex. And that was something that I've been curious about, but never dabbled with until the podcast, at least. And I've been in the human sexuality field since I was 18. So for two decades, damn, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the other one would be, I would say the pussy worshiping would be a big thing that I learned about myself and my body that works really well for me. So the sex party deal, I am an exhibitionist, but not a, I want all the attention. I want everyone to stop and stare at me. And I think of exhibitionism and I, all things sexuality on a spectrum, right? So like you have a 10 is like, I want to be in the middle and have everyone look at me and back off to me. I'm not that. I'm like a five. I'm like, if you're jacking off to me, that's really cool. I'm totally down with you to look. And it also turns me on a little bit, like turns up the heat. It's not like my full kink or my fetish or, you know, however people identify with exhibitionism. Voyeurism. I am a pervert. I love hearing people have sex. Yeah. I actually like hearing people have sex more than viewing, which is funny because April, who's not here, likes viewing more than hearing. Like if she hears her neighbors on the other side of the hotel room, she's like, 
not into that. It feels invasive and is not a turn on. But for me, I'm like, oh, that's so interesting. Like, what are they doing? Oh, my God. And some would say that's not consensual. But if you're having sex in the other side of my hotel room wall and I can hear you, I'm pretty sure that you made me consent to it. Yeah. So (laughs) it's a different type of not consensual. And if I masturbate to that, then that's mine. And you don't have to see that. But anyways, and I really love being around sexual energy. And I love the diversity of it, right? Like, remember my first sex party in like, I think it was 2006. 16, 17, anyways, and seeing all these different bodies, you know, having sex in places, sometimes threesomes or orgies or two people and sex could be like someone going down someone, someone's just getting spanked. That could be sex to me. And I was like, oh my God, everyone's so different. You know, like if I just watch porn, it seems like there's one way to fuck. Yeah. And I love being in the raw, fresh realness of people being sexual because it gives me permission to be as expressive in a consensual way as I want to be and knowing that there's not one way to be a sexual Amy. I don't give a fuck what my O face looks like. I don't really care what my sounds are. I can just do and be me and follow the pleasure thread and being in those environments has been really helpful. So yeah, sex parties have been something that I I don't think without this path, I would have, maybe I would have discovered it, but I know people that listen to shameless sex that are like, you know, they're not in the field, but they're discovering sex parties. So I probably would have, but I got it at a very quick and fast in a lovely way. And I'm really grateful for it. When we were talking about the non-monogamy stuff earlier, do you have any sort of like reclamation rituals with your partner? And then I do want to talk about pussy worship. Maybe they intersect. I don't know. When you say reclamation rituals, are you talking about like the way that we process or connect around non-monogamy? Yeah. Or just like when you come home after being with somebody else, is it like mine again? Like, do you have any, any of that type of stuff? But yeah, however you do your processing. We totally feed off that. We're like, if we have sex, my partner's like, oh, this pussy's mine. (laughs) She may have been out being all worshipped and pleasured and have orgasms with someone else, but like, she's mine. And I'm like, oh, yeah, she's yours. Or if I'm a bra, I'm like, well, she's yours right now, but tomorrow she might not be. So what are you going to do about it? (laughs) (laughs) Like, Like a good brat. And then I win. So everyone wins. Yeah. So for us, it's still evolving. Originally, we went to the full-on non-monogamy solo experience space. It was when one or both of us were out of town from our hometown that we both live in. Mm-hmm. And now we're exploring being in the same town, city, and one of us or both of us can go out and be intimate with someone else. And so we talk about it before, about like what's on the table, what's not on the table. And for us in our non-monogamy space, our relationship is top priority. We're not like relationship anarchy status. You know, one of us is like, I'm really not there right now in in a place to feel safe or comfortable or relaxed about you going to be intimate with someone else. We're going to hold that as priority. And that's our not monogamy, right? That's mm-hmm. not for everyone. It's, we define that for ourselves. So we had you know, said like, so the other day or like a week ago, I think I went my second day with someone and I was like, I'd like to make out with them and maybe get down to some undies <laughs> and, you know, like grind and just like check it out and see how that feels. And my partner's like edgy. Okay, cool. And what time do you think you'll be home? Because, because we live together. And I was like, well, I'm thinking between 8 and 9 p.m. He was like, okay, cool. 8 would be cooler because then I can like fuck you really hard with more energy after. (sighs) But 9 works too. (laughs) So then I'm, you know, I'm going to respect that. I'm going to get home by 9 for sure. I got home at 8.55. Okay. I walk in. He's like, tell me how it was. I want to hear all the things. So for us, it's the person that is not having the experience. We We can ask each other anything. And we'll answer anything. It doesn't mean that like I walk in and just like, here's all the things. It's whatever my partner wants to know or I want to know about our unique experiences. And then we share that and we like take a breath. And we usually find 
then we're feeling the edginess like, oh God, oh God, my partner was hooking up with someone else. When we take a breath and just feel into it, it chills out a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like not that big of a deal because for us, at least we're coming home to each other and we're here choosing this, at least in our arrangement for our mutual aliveness in our relationship, but also our solo aliveness. And the minute it doesn't fulfill those pieces, we are going to reconsider what we're doing. Yeah. So our ritual will be more just like a processing piece. And then if you call like STI testing ritual, but <laughs> mm-hmm. we're also very careful about when it comes to penetration. I mean, most sex educators I know are like not that careful about oral sex. I know like the sluttiest and most like profound of sex educators who are like, nah, I don't wear condoms for oral sex. So I think in that case, testing is, is even more important. So we're getting tested every three months, even if we use condoms with people, but you know, mouths go places and things happen. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. I have just in case anyone hasn't heard it, I have herpes both kinds orally, but like HSV2 is in my throat because back in those days, I didn't use condoms and I really do like deep throating. And so that's how that got there. What are the conversations that you have with partners? Do you usually initiate them or is it like a super turn on if they do? I'm like a submissive brat who is like, I want you to initiate most of the things we're actually having sex. The conversation's beforehand, I want to be very mutual. And I'm generally leading it because I'm not hooking up with like only sex educators like myself, right? (laughs) Who are like, here, I'm very proficient in the conversation. Like, let's have the safer sex elevator speech, not mine. That's read me Halko's, but I think it's really valuable. And that also applies though, like, let's talk about like the pleasure elevator speech or Dan Savage says like one of the primary things that he sees that is really beneficial in the gay community in terms of like the initial conversations is just the simple question of what are you into? Right? Like, Straight people aren't really saying that as often as they probably should to just figure out, like, list a couple things that you're into and that you're not into. And not everyone knows. I'm like, I don't know. And that's fine. But, you know, especially if you're 30s, 40s and up, you probably know a couple things that you're into and not into. So it'd be helpful to share that. As you ask that question, I'm reflecting back. Like, I actually am not asking and stating those things. But every single person I've been intimate with in the last four or five years, at some point before we're engaging, they know that I identify as a submissive, kinky person who's not submissive and kinky 24-7, who also likes connected sex or tantric sex or just sex and also sex, meaning not penetration. And that will come up before. I also tell people before we're being sexual, if I already know that you know, like I keep saying Portugal, but like when I was in Portugal, right, I had one night to be intimate with someone. So I was like, I'm going to fuck. <laughs> so I didn't say this to that person. But, you know, the people that I know, I want to layer it, as I was talking about before. I'll tell them beforehand, like, I'm going to keep my pants on. I'm going to keep my underwear on. And if they try to coerce me out of it, they're out. You try once, like, oh, come on, take it. Come on. Oh, you're you're done. You're yeah. done for me because I don't do I did coercion for so many years. I am so beyond that. I'm too good for that. Yeah, boundary pushing is not sexy. It's so not gross. sexy at not all. Sexy. Yeah, and it's a huge red flag. It's the biggest pointiest red flag. I'm like, nope. Like, yeah. Jumping back to work a little bit. Is it even possible to give us like a day in the life, a week in the life, month in the life of what you do cuz you do so many things. And so like How do you balance that stuff? Does it ever feel like not very sexy? Like, I'd love to hear the sexiest parts of your job, least sexy parts of your job. Do you identify as a sex worker? Take it wherever you want to take it. 
So I'll start with the last thing you said. That, do I identify as a sex worker? I don't. But if someone were to put me in that category, I would be so honored. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes! But it's just not a, a title that I would take on. When I finished the Somatica Sex and Relationship Coaching training, I identified a little more as a sex worker because mm. I was actually utilizing their hands-on touch in sessions. But their boundaries are close stays on. You're not touching to the point of orgasm. No kissing on the lips. It was very tantric, though. If you look through the window of the sessions I was having with people, it looked like we were having it was steamy. But within those boundaries, right? So that to me felt more sex worker-ish. Um, I'm, you know, as I said earlier, a heady person. So I'm more voice in terms of the work that I do. I'm much more utilizing my voice, the power of Amy's word. And I am long-winded, as you can already tell. And so that to me just feels like not quite sex worker-y to me. When I think of sex work, I think of my body being a part of it and not just my mind. And so a lot of my work is geared towards my mind being a part of it. And I think of also, because I wear so many hats in the human sexuality field. So I think of like, I have all these little mini hats on, right? I have like yeah, yeah. five of them-ish, maybe four to five. So I have the you know podcast Amy mini hat, right? Like we've been doing Shameless Sex podcast since 2017. April and I from Shameless Sex also wrote a book. So that's a big hat because that's really prevalent in our uh, current day and age. Oh, she's got it right now. I that's read yeah, it. Shameless it's great. Sex. Go read it. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun. It's our choose your own adventure, but that's trademark. So it's choose your own pleasure path to figure out who you are as a sexual being. It's fun. It's playful. It's insightful. And I think everyone should have it. I would have liked it when I was 18, 28. I'm 38 now. I want it when I'm 60. And then I also have a, another very smaller hat. I used to own a sex shop with my mom in Santa Cruz, California. We opened in 2008. It's called Pure Pleasure. We sold it in 2019. Right before the pandemic, we sold it to Good Vibrations, which was our inspiration for opening in the first place. So it's perfect full circle. Wow. And we sold it before the pandemic. So we would have been struggling as a you know a mother-daughter independently owned business. So we still have the online store though at purepleasureshop.com. I am the lead educator for my favorite lube brand and they were my favorite before I started working for them. Uber Lube, in my opinion, one of also the best lubes on the market. It's also my favorite, yeah. And then I'm a sex and relationship coach, right? So I work with clients one-on-one, but I do a lot less of that these days. I'd say like my primary fulfillment comes from the podcast. So an average day in being Amy, first of all, all my work is remote, probably yours, most of yours too, right? So I'm wearing pajama bottoms right now. You can't tell. Same. <laughs> I haven't even showered yet. <laughs> Same. Love it. So yeah, so I uh, primarily work from home and, you know, I get up my best work hours or in the morning until about noon and then I work and then I like to go to like a hot yoga class or maybe some Pilates. I don't know. It depends on the day. Walk, go for a hike with my little dogs. I'm a crazy dog mom. And then I'll work a little more in the afternoon. I honestly think that I work maybe 25 hours a week. But if you talk to me, it sounds like I work a lot more because what I like to do, and I don't know if this is your jam, but I think everyone's different. Like April from the podcast, she wants to work Monday through Friday for five to six hours a day. I would like to work every day of the week for less time, like for mm. three to four hours a yeah. day, two to four hours. And that's how I am, right? I'm on vacation right now in Oregon. This is my vacation. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm also like, you know, that person that feels like purpose in doing. I'm a doer and one of my harder lessons is being, you know, mm. just like, oh, just detach and be, which I do, but it's like, I'd rather do than be. <laughs> yeah. I hit the extremes of those real hard. I'm like, okay, okay. Oh, I'll be now. And then I'm like, why would I ever do anything? And then I'm like, oh, okay, now I'm all the doing. So it's like, 
to find that that kind of balance. Yeah. So I think some people are the extremes and some people are like the in-betweens and some are the struggles and it's, it's okay to be anywhere in there as long as it feels good for you, then we have our own way of doing or being. And I think there's really important value in finding at least moments to being, at least for myself. Like if I just do, do, do all the time and I'm productive, purposeful Amy, or then I do that for like a day and then all of a sudden I have to be alone with Amy and I'm like, fuck, shit, here I am. What do I do? Oh wait, it's not about doing. Shit, how do I be? Ah, you know, I need to know how to, how to be and totally. that takes practice. Totally. Lovers, we are going to take a quick pause for a word from our sponsor. And they have given me notes to do a sultry female voice. So I'm very excited and I'm going to do my best. Did you know the Flora app is a safe place to open up, embrace your desires, and find like-minded people? This is the story of one couple who found the threesome of their dreams, discovered a new level of shared passion, and stepped into a whole other realm of possibilities. All thanks to Flora. As life's routines settled in, Robert and Lucy found themselves yearning to explore uncharted territories. So they downloaded Fleur and embarked upon a thrilling journey of sensual experimentation, learning more about each other's desires in the process. Open-minded and adventurous, Robert and Lucy dreamt of adding a new dimension to their intimacy, sharing the touch of another woman, being witnessed and connecting in a way that transcends the ordinary. In Fleur's diverse and accepting community, Lucy connected with Emily, a babe craving the same experiences. So they invited Robert to the conversation. The chemistry built and anticipation heightened as they exchanged messages until finally their agreed-upon date night arrived. A gorgeous hotel was the setting for their evening of pleasure, passion, and connection. A shared exploration that fulfilled each party's desires. Fleur app celebrates the beauty of open-minded connections. It's a platform where fantasies come to life and desires are embraced without judgment. For couples seeking adventure with others or individuals keen on exploring, Fleur invites us all to a world where every desire is a possibility waiting to unfold. Download Fleur now, express your desires freely, and find like-minded people today. I would also love to hear what insights about humanity you have gained through your work, whether it's the relationship between sex and commerce, social norms. We talked about pleasure and shame already, but like, you know, or even if you want to bring in specific toys, tools, kinks, fetishes, like... I feel like you have such a wealth of knowledge. I'd love to hear what comes to top of mind. Yeah, I think people are really hungry for more information and more inspiration and more creativity within themselves and their lives in the sexual realm and field. That doesn't mean you have to go full on like poly, kinky, queer, whatever, you know, is, is your jam. And even if they're like, no, 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 that's not normal. I don't like that. To me, I'm like, oh, yeah, I know you kind of want a little more of something, but it's like your version of something. And I think that like even the people that are really closed off from branching out what's really comfortable for them at some point are going to crave something really different from that comfort because humans innately, in my opinion, and other people would agree with this, including scientists and researchers and their studies on this, like some form of newness and like, you know, habituation, fabulous. We get used to yeah. something, we're comfortable, we're safe. And then we kind of get bored. That's how our dopamine system works. We need new stuff. Exactly. So what I believe and have seen is just that a lot of people think that I'm this way. You know, this is who I am as a sexual being. I like it. I'm good. But then I see these little like 
inklings to something else or leaky energy, right? They'll like slip a little, a story about something. I was like, that is so not just like what you just said. (laughs) You're like, I'm super monogamous or, you know, I'm totally happy this way. But, and then you hear some other story and you see them smile or giggle or look more glowing or alive. And I also wonder if people deep down their subconscious knows, right? That like they're Mm -hmm. desiring more, but it's a really hard thing to say if, you know, if you're in a partnership and your partner might not be down for the moreness, if your whole ego or reality world will be shattered, at least you think it will, it probably won't, but you think it will, or if it will, you'll get through it. Change is scary. Change is where a lot of really great things happen. Doesn't mean we have to change drastically every day, but uh, yeah, I think the world just wants more of that and more acceptance in figuring out their own version of that. Hence why we created the book, Shameless Sex. It's about you figuring out you as a sexual being and what you want and how to have more connected sex, alive sex, sexy sex, whatever it is. And I think people want more of that, even if they don't think they do. I believe it's in there and almost everyone. You could be asexual and asexual people are still sexual people. They just don't feel sexual attraction. And I'm not even talking about demisexual and all these other aspects of asexuality. But I think sexuality runs at the core of everyone. It's the easiest thing to bruise and harm in someone and to change them in a non-consensual way. And it's also a really easy or maybe easy is not the word, but powerful path to create your own change in a really powerful, beautiful way. I totally agree. I really feel like it is the spark of our creativity. I've started calling sex original creativity because I feel like, at least in myself, when my sexual needs are met, I'm so able to be a productive, creative member of society in all those other ways. On the note of the book, what was the process for writing it? How did you decide how to organize it? Because I feel like the more that I learn about sex, the more I'm like disorganized because I'm like, there's just so much. And then the two of you sat down together and were like, okay, we've been doing this podcast and now here's a book. What was that like for you? Oh my goodness. Okay, first of all, I'll start it with, I don't recommend for anyone to write a book unless you're really committed to the journey. <laughs> I have a partner, April is a partner. It's as if we both were in partnerships. And also April and I are essentially in a non-sexual life partnership with each other. We've been best friends since, God, it's like 16 years. It's almost like we were identical twins. We have weird language. Like no one gets us to, when we're like, blah, 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 blah. So if you're dating us, you're dating the other person, but you don't get to have sex with them. We're not in that realm of uh, have, sharing uh, our friends with each other but we're writing a book right so now we're dating the book and we're both dating the book and we're dating the book for like two plus years you know so a year ago when we were still writing the book that was you know after a whole year of writing the book so year two of writing the book if I looked at like my average day of how I spent my time the book took up more of it than anything in my life more than the podcast more than my relationship more than Amy's self-care time or like loving my dog although my dog got to be my lap for most of the book so that was cool so it's a huge commitment. We had deadlines because we had a publisher, but they were not crazy. Not like in a month, you have to give us this, you know, it was like, it was like, you know, six months, we need this and this. So it was a huge, beautiful accomplishment. But I'll tell people, first of all, writing a book with another person does not make it easier because you're running all of your ideas off of and with another person, right? So the way we wrote the book was I wrote all the raw material. So I essentially wrote the whole book And then April rewrote the whole book. (laughs) So I finished chapter one. 
she'd go back to chapter one and rewrite it, revamp it, add in humor, add in her own stories and add in all kinds of things that I would miss. So we both essentially individually wrote a book, but it's collectively at the same time. So the choose your own adventure thing also knows choose your own pleasure path in our world. It goes with our shameless sex podcast premise is that no one can tell you who to be as a sexual being. So if we wrote a self-help book about sex, we can't say, here's what you should do. Instead, it's here's a lot of ideas and what you can do. And so the better question of when you're like, here's my issue. You know, I want to have more orgasm sex. I can't have orgasms in sex. I can't get hard when I have sex. I want to try kinky things. I want to cross dress. I don't know, whatever your jam is. What do I do? One thing we discovered, one, people are commonly asking the same question, which is either am I normal or am I broken? So the book opens with those two chapters. Am I normal and am I broken? And I understand that if you open the book, you're like, why is it so heavy in the beginning? It's because we often need to go through some of the heavies to get to the like, how do I have super hot sex stuff? And so that comes later. Like, how do I have hotter, steamier, more connected sex? You know, how do I ask for what I want? How do I spice things up or keep it spicy? That happens. But that's after for a lot of people, they've already gone into like the heavies and the challenging things. You don't have to do that. You might already be in the place to just like, I want to do fun things and I feel good then do that. And we have that for you too. We looked at all of our sex questions from years, you know, at that point it was like, was it five plus years of having a podcast? And we saw these themes and there were eight themes that we turned the book into, into eight chapters. And so am I normal? Am I broken? How do I talk about sex? How do I know what I even want, et cetera. And then we created this. We love the choose your own adventure books from the past where it's like, do you want to go down the cliff with the abominable snowman? Do you want (laughs) to hug the abominable snowman? Do you want to tell the abominable snowman that, hey, it's cool. Do you want to have cheeseburger? I don't know. I'm really bad at this kind of thing. But and so ours was more like, okay, here's your issue. You're asking us a question. Here are the possible outcomes you can achieve, right? Like if it's, it's hard for me to have an orgasm during penetrative sex. Number one, so do you want to learn how to orgasm through penetrative sex for yourself, right? Like this is going to make me feel more alive, more full. This is something that feels really good. Then go to this page. Is it because you want to please your partner? And that's really important to you. Go to this page. Are you wanting to actually learn how to talk to your partner about how having orgasm during sex isn't your top priority? You go to this page, right? Like isn't the most important thing that you just like having sex and pleasure is pleasure. So we really wanted it to speak to people in the way where they can be the creators of their own sexual experiences and empower them as opposed to telling them, here's how you should be. Not easy to do because our book is written in past, present, and future. So Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's not just like, yeah, right. So you're like, oh, so you you might read a chapter in chapter seven that takes you back to chapter two if that's the outcome you want. And yeah. that is really fucking hard to write. <laughs> I know. It's like, I mean, it's hard to organize. It's a great feat. Yeah. But it's a fun kind oh, of book. Yeah. It's like the most elaborate crossword jigsaw puzzle when we were writing it. Because every time you're writing something like a chapter, you're like, okay, but does this go here or in seven yeah. or one or eight? I don't know. And so like our brains were getting twisted left mm-hmm. and right. And so I'll end my long rant with, I would suggest in April and I should have done this, but we didn't for everyone to, who writes a book with another person to get a therapist. <laughs> so you can talk out all the shit that's not even related to the book. More like, you didn't hear me. You didn't see me. You dismissed what I said because we had a lot of those moments. We're just really good at talking about them. We're skilled at communicating. We love each other so much that it's really important for us that when we don't meet each other or feel met, we might like 
tear each other's heads off verbally for a second. And then we come around and we're like, all right, let's talk about this. And we have those skills. But a middle human would have been good at times. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say you are most excited to explore or grow in your work going forward? Well, yeah, we're still growing the book because it just launched, what, like not even two months ago. So we're going to continue to do that. A newer thing that we have been doing at Shameless Sex, and Shameless Sex, I think to me is the most exciting. I love working with Uber Libre. I love working with clients. And Shameless Sex to me feels like endless expansion possibilities. Mm. Also, it's podcasts, right? We can get out to thousands upon thousands of people just by talking on a microphone and putting on iTunes and Spotify, which is so fucking cool. Like someone in the middle of nowhere who doesn't have sex education can listen to your podcast, Sex Stories, listen to our podcast and be inspired and be like, holy fuck, I want to try that. Or like, I want to change. I want to grow. And here's some ways I can do that. We hope to not ever stop doing what we're doing. What we recently started doing, we had our first shameless sex retreat in early November in Costa Rica. And so we did a women's only vulva owning human retreat. And it was fucking beautiful. Not just Costa Rica, because that's beautiful, but just to see a group of like-minded people. Because if you're you know, a shameless sex listener, obviously you're a little more open-minded than not being a shameless sex listener. And you're there for a reason to like expand yourself in your sexual or most embodied sensual self way. And so it was a mix of play and nature and relaxation and embodiment and sexy. You know, it would go from like naked dance parties with tequila shots to like, you know, a massage and relaxation yes. to, you know, people like... We did an erotic photography photo shoot that was yes. so powerful. Oh, it was, you, yeah. Everyone had their own mm-hmm. solo experiences. And we did it on day three. Next time we'll do it on day two because of the rest of the retreat. All the women were just walking around complimenting each other left and right. Like, oh my God, you're so beautiful. Pop your booty out a little more. Let me take a picture. You know, things like that. Like <laughs> just and not like, you know, pop it out for some man's gaze. It was just like, you're fucking hot. Let's celebrate that. And so we're going to do those retreats now at least twice a year. We have another one coming up at the end of April in Tulum. If you want to learn more, go to shamelesssex.com. That one will be for women or vulva owning folks again. And then we want to open up to couples. We'd like to do all genders. My concern with all genders is where it's not just couples is that everyone's not everyone. Some people think it's an orgy and I'm fine with an orgy, but I'm not here to facilitate an orgy at my retreat. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I feel like the consent regulation is going to be heavier in that. And that's not a problem. It's just not a thing I'm really wanting to take on in a tropical place right now. For sure. For sure. You're like, I'm trying to retreat here, not police. (laughs) Yeah. I'm on retreat too. (laughs) Yeah. 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 That's awesome. And I feel the retreat vibes. And yeah, I mean, just as a photographer myself, like the erotic photography is my fucking favorite form of helping people open up like that and capturing those juicy parts. It's so powerful. Just and I think when people hear erotic photography, they're like, oh, you know, sex or sexual, but like, you know, erotic. And I'm sure you've seen this too. What you in your work, like erotic, it's everyone's definition of erotic. It's like, you know, is erotic to you, like having a shawl over your shoulders where we take a photo where it's just one shoulder popping out from the back and we don't even see your face or anything else. And that's erotic. And it's really mind opening for people to see with the question you asked earlier, like, you know, what's your sexy? It helps people to see like, what's your unique sexy? It's so important, I think, for people to tap into if they want to. Yeah. And I know that like when I see myself through another photographer's eyes, I'm able to offer that same experience 
to another person, right? So they're like, oh my God, I'm beautiful. I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what you look like. I captured it. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's real. <laughs> yeah. There you are. And like you said, that energy shift is so palpable. What about in your personal life? What are you most excited to explore sexually for yourself going forward? Let's see. If you look at my sexual bucket list, I'm looking for two dicks at the same time. Yes. (laughs) At some point, my little ever-growing, expanding sexual bucket list of things. And I'm not setting... Some of them are like ideas that I don't really know if I want to bring into fruition. My spank bank these days for the last, I don't know, three or four months has involved the idea of two cocks in my body and like I'm really into like again as I said earlier like the dominance and I, I like this with my partner where he's kind of directing it but he's also like telling the other man like what he can do with my body and then I'm still consenting to it by the way I'm like a part of yeah, it but yeah, yeah. so that's on my list I don't know if I'll like it I haven't done it yet I might be yeah. too much I'll be like that's too many dicks like one too many <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know so yeah that's one of them continuing to learn more about myself in the non-monogamy field because I think that it makes me feel like my brain and heart are expanding and growing and I like that feeling and it's Mm -hmm. not in a way where it's like panic zone like ah too much I can't handle this it's more like it's a lot or it's edgy but like let me see what happens here and I'm finding that the moment and maybe you can identify with this like when I feel like I'm hitting an edge but I can work with it it's like this expansiveness that feels I keep going back to the word alive but like more alive or like my heart just grew 10 times bigger or my brain did or my pussy did in a really powerful way yeah you get that okay good I'm not just not just me (laughs) I totally get that well and to me I feel like it's like those kinds of connections creates this huge ripple effect that for me spreads through my creativity through the whole world through all of us you know that's what you help people with that's what we're helping people kind of like uncover for themselves hopefully if they want it you know yeah if that's your jam and and yeah like with that like the creativity piece out when I have those expansive experiences or even not, not even like, I'll say like having f- amazing sex with my partner or is it worshiping my pussy or like, or not, but yeah. it's amazing sex. Yeah. Like, you should see me the next day. I'm in a great mood. Yes. I am so much yes. more motivated to like tackle my work world. I see my family like, Hey, what's up? And so yeah, like, I'm Hey, like, what's up? You know, like it's fuel and I know how to utilize it. And yeah, I'm so grateful that I've discovered that in this lifetime. I meant to ask you this earlier. Tell us about your drive-by daddying method. What is this? <laughs> what is this? What you want? The drive-by daddying. <laughs> so the drive-by daddying. So I like the daddy little girl dynamic, but it's not mm-hmm. familial. You're not playing my actual father in this role play scenario. You're just like daddy energy, like that, you know, dominant, confident, like I got this. Anything nurturing. you bring here is welcome. Yeah. yeah nurturing, but like sexy. And like, and, and there is like this, you've been a bad girl. I'm going to spank you, but you're you're still not my dad. You're like a daddy. Can I think of like leather daddies or like gay community daddies, yeah, yeah. right? Like it's not like you're are you my daddy? You know, can I have a teddy bear? No, and that's and that's for some people. I'm just not doing it. You could call it like littles play, but it really isn't, or it is some a form of age play without it being familial. So, anyways, the drive by daddying. So I have found that in initial engagements with some potential dates, I have been able to like over text messages of like, you know, like, oh, you know, just kind of flirting. They'll say something like, do you want to come over to my house? So my drive-by daddy means I'm testing them to see if they're a daddy <laughs> without their consent. Whereas they're like, do you want to come to my house? I'm like, whatever you want, daddy, and send that back in a text message. And their response matters. It says, no, like, are you a daddy or are you not? If they're a daddy, they're going to be like, 
Oh, okay, little girl. Yeah, well, you better get over here sooner than later. Otherwise, you're going to be in trouble or something like that. And if they're not a dad, they're like, ha, 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 daddy, ha, lol. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> smiley face, laugh out loud. And and that's fine if that's their thing. It just shows me like, okay, that's not your jam. And so this might not be a good fit. And again, I don't want to live that in all my sex. But I don't want to be a mommy. I am not a mommy. I will be a mommy in everyday life, but not in sex. No, 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 no mommies over here. It's just not my thing. <laughs> So, yes, yeah, so my drive by daddy is like a way of just dropping the daddy word or hint to see, are you a daddy and seeing how you respond. And I have found that most of the people that I'm doing that with, maybe they're already giving daddy's signs. Mm-hmm. And actually, I, when I think back to it, a lot of them were like at least five plus years older than me. Some of them had kids. They responded perfectly. And I was like, ha ha, I got them. Like, I, I have like at least five different five recollections of like drive by daddying where their response is like, oh, you a daddy. Perfect. <laughs> okay. That's amazing. Do you want to hear the fantasy though that I thought it, I mean, when I hear drive by daddying, I'm imagining <laughs> yeah. you and April, maybe I'm your driver, like in a convertible, like going around, like, like cat calling dudes on the corner. And if they pass the daddy test, then they get in. And then maybe, I don't know, are we taking them to a sex party? I'm not sure. <laughs> Oh my God. April would love this because one of her old, this was like a year, a couple of years ago, she's moved beyond this for some reason, but she used to love taxi cab porn and it was like the anonymity or like the randomness. And she likes her some daddies for sure. And so when you said that, she'd probably be turned on by that. So for me, it's less about sex and more about like the energy for her. She'd be like, Oh fuck. Yeah. Let's go drive around. Like daddy, are you my daddy? And so you have She'd love that. I will. She'll listen to this episode. April, this one's for you. We're going to do it. Are you my daddy? When were you recently tested? Yeah. But like, tell me, give your, your, your safer sex elevator speech. Let's go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Wrapping up here. What do you think we need to co-create a world where taking care of each other is the norm? Like, how do we make the world a sexier, more loving place? What's the answer? Ooh, yeah, that's a that's a big one. I love I love questions like that where I'm like, fuck, okay, <laughs> I gotta gotta get it right. But also, there's no will, answer. It's, it's endless answers. So. Yeah. yeah, there's no right answer. So, okay, this is gonna sound really fucking cheesy. So I'll, I'll talk about like relationships in general, but the way I'm gonna talk about it is going to sound like so boring. So this is a book called The Eighty Eighty Marriage. I know I said marriage. You're like, what the fuck is she talking about? But the Eighty Eighty Marriage book, um, we had one of the authors on our show and he was talking about how like the old school way that was very chauvinistic was like a 2080 marriage where like women were the 20%, like their needs, desires, values, they were receiving 20% of that. And you know, the men in this speaking of heterosexual relationships, the men were getting 80% of that. Then we went into this 50, 50 phase of like tit and tat, right? Like, tit, yeah. yeah, like you, you get this and I get that and we have to meet each other perfectly and now we're all like testing each other left and right like you didn't do this and i did this and you didn't do it so that and that's just like a mess what he was saying in it and he wrote this with his partner was that what if we just went above and beyond we always brought an extra fucking 30 percent even if we didn't think we're going to receive it back and i don't think this has to just apply to marriages or relationships it can apply to anyone and everyone in the world that you get the privilege oh here's another thing it's a privilege to engage with anyone you get to engage with to talk to someone to touch them, to sit next to them. It's a privilege to be invited into someone's emotional or or energetic space. So look at it from that perspective. Wow, lucky me getting to be here in some way or shape or form with you, which might be really helpful for you to show up with more curiosity, compassion, in a way of where you're giving more. And then if you're going 80, 80, right? It's like, okay, I'm here. I'm, you know, I'm talking to my friend. How can I show up 
an extra 30%, like even bigger within my capacity without losing myself. Right. I'm not going to do it in a way where like, I don't have the fuel to do that. It's when you have the fuel, you know, the, the bandwidth to like really listen to really be curious and like, oh, huh, you know, I know you, but like, who are you today? And that's especially helpful in long-term relationships to go about it with like, huh, I know you, I've been with you for five plus years, but like today you're a different person. So let me like get curious about that. So that's a long-winded and like multifaceted answer, but I think that we can just potentially expand ourselves beyond the way that we want to you know, show up with like this perfect way of meeting you meet me and I meet you and instead it's like, okay, meet me and I meet you, but how can I meet you even more? And hopefully you'll be able to meet me even more regardless of the relationship that you're in. I think you did it. I think you answered the question. Generosity yes. and gratitude. Like that's, that's a really, <laughs> yeah. really good. That's a really, really good. Okay. And if you could go back in time and give younger you a piece of sex advice, what age or ages would you pick? And what would you say? I would go to 13 year old Amy. And I say that because I think it might be 12. Actually, I think 12 year old Amy. I think the first time it's in the book, I believe the first experience I had was me touching someone else's genitals. And it was a silent coercion. It wasn't even a friend. He was like the rich kid that would pick on me. And I was friends with his twin sister. And she was dating his friends were all like in one room. And he was like, massage my back in the dark. And then and then flipped over, like massage my stomach. And I'm like scared of this guy because he picked on me for being a lower class person because my family was lower class family. And they were like not lower class. So I'm like, you know, doing these things. But also I wanted to and like didn't understand you know like anyways so and then he just took my hand and put it on his I want to say cock but I use that for adult penises so I'm gonna go with penis Uh, and just use it as a jack-off device and that was it like came on his own stomach and then like didn't talk to me for like a week after and and he doesn't have to talk to me but like you know like a week after like so how was that for you he's we're fucking 13 but I would have liked to know and I said this earlier my pleasure in any sexual engagement is just as important, if not more important than the people I'm engaging with, because I'm primarily hooking up with engaging with penis owners. And if it comes to actual penises inside of me, that is penetrative sex, meaning I'm the receiving orifice that takes more time, Mm -hmm. energy, safety, relaxation to open up and connect. And so like the book, she comes first, Holy shit, I think every 13-year-old should read that. <laughs> if you're planning on having penis and vagina sex, if that's not on, on your agenda, then probably not. But I think that we are we're really missing a lot of language specifically for vulva owning folks about owning their own pleasure and asking for it. And instead they have a lot of experiences, or I did. I had a lot of experiences uh, giving not receiving, not knowing how to say I don't want to give because I was afraid of losing the love or affection that felt good in that moment. And I would have loved to just have that more solidified in my being because it would have had an easier and more pleasurable time throughout my life. I'm having a great time now, but like I have experiences that contribute to who I am today and they would have been a lot better if I would have had that information. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Okay. Two fantasy questions. First, if... We suddenly lived in a world where everyone had to be a sex worker for two years. How would you serve? Ooh, if I was a sex worker for two years? Mm-hmm. What kind would you Ooh, be? So I'm not into like humiliation because that's to me, that's shaming. It's just not my thing. But I would be a sex worker of like, it is your fucking honor to touch this pussy. And I'm going to make you work for it from my toes up. And you're going to pay 
for each and every toe and part of my foot before you get to the calf because I'll see you next time because you know I like to layer it on. Then you might get to touch my calf, maybe my shin. Oh, next time you might get some of this knee and then you can come up those thighs. Oh, maybe I'll give you like some outer labia, but not quite. I'm gonna keep my panties on and work your way up and in. So maybe like the 10th time we see each other, then you'll finally get to pleasure this pussy, but you're going to pleasure it my way and in a way that feels really good for you. Yeah, that sounds awesome. <laughs> I love that. And only if they earn it, right? They don't, you know, not not all dominatrixes ever yeah. even get touched at all. So they have to do a good enough job. Yeah. And I'm not going to say any mean things. And I'll be like, you're doing a bad job. More like, oh, yeah, more of that. Yeah. That, oh, you're doing, oh, maybe a little less of that. I'm also teaching you about like, I mean, what my body likes about how to go really slow and like work yes. your way up and really savor in all of the delicious moments. Which is a huge gift. Okay. And now you have an unlimited budget to build the perfect playroom or dungeon or castle, etc. whatever structure you desire for you and or your brand. So what is it like? <laughs> oh my God, this is awesome. Okay, first of all, I don't like huge spaces because I feel my most safe in smaller spaces, but I am also claustrophobic. So I'm not thinking like a coffin small, everyone. I'm okay. thinking like, I don't want a castle. I want like something that is like, you know, three rooms, master bedroom thing in the back. It has a pool and a hot tub. I want a sauna. I want a cold plunge. I want all the things. I want all the aquatic sports. I'm not talking about water sports, meaning, well, if you're into that, that's cool. You do you. But I want it like a spa meets sexy. And so there's one room that's dedicated to like kink dungeon vibes. It has like purple and red lights. It has one of those beds with big bed frames and you can tie things to it. And one of those swings that's good for like squirting and like mm-hmm. accessing G spots and prostates really easily and quickly. Not really into the whole like being put up on the cross thing, but like I'd have that in there for the people that came over because I like watching yeah. that. That's fun. Yeah. Um, so I'd have my dungeon. Yeah. And I have all the accoutrements, all the things in there. Choose your own adventure. And so I've also had this dream of having a room that is just mattresses. The, all the floor is just mattresses. There's not even one gap where it's floor. So you walk in, you're on mattress and it's just like roly poly, sexy space. I like going to sex parties where there's individual mattresses, but I kind of want to go in and just roly poly all my way around a bunch of mattresses and have like, you know, some sort of like group sex experience there. So that's the mattress room. And then there's the room that's like this kind of like more mellow space. Oh, I need a fourth room for like the quiet space where if you don't want to have sex. Yeah, you got to have the quiet space room. That could be the kitchen though, where the food is. That's like the like, just Mm -hmm. chill and not be surrounded by sex. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like sometimes you need to get away from the sex and just like take a breath. So I guess it's kind of like a chalet. Oh, and I have no neighbors. Like the neighbors are like a mile away because (laughs) we're going to be really loud and that needs to be okay. Or my neighbors are really cool. (laughs) I fucking love it. Lovers, go listen to Shameless Sex if you haven't already. Go get the book Shameless Sex if you want to go read it. Go choose your own pleasure adventure. Amy, thank you so much for being a guest on Sex Stories. Thank you for having me. It was so fun. And um, you're on our show. I think it's coming out sometime in January of 2024. So come check out Shameless Sex to hear your favorite from sex stories. Lovely humans. Thank you for listening. If you appreciate the work that I put into this podcast, I would love it if you took the time to leave us five stars and a nice review wherever you get your podcast, especially Spotify, since last year's troll attack on our ratings is still affecting our ability to be found via search. (laughs) I do love getting to know you and hearing your stories and meeting you lovely humans in real life. And remember, if you want to collaborate, apply to be a guest or leave us a single story voice memo via xstoriespodcast.com or sexstoriespodcast.com. 
sex stories are always going to be my favorite, but now I also have question lists for love, friendship, dating, relationships, marriage, divorce, secrets, and so much more so that we can learn about connection through each other's experiences. I fucking love getting your emails and voice memos and receiving thoughtful noodle messages. It truly is hearing from you that fuels this work for me. And if you want to go deeper with me, get to know me, and support this podcast in meaningful, concrete ways, find me on Patreon, OnlyFans, FetLife, Venmo, Cash App, and all social media platforms at Wiley, or work with me privately for photo and video shoots, relationship support, creative breakthrough sessions, and retreats. Wiley.com slash links is where you can find the list of all the ways to play with me, and the link is in the description below. Thank you for joining me to spread ripples of love, to co-create a world where taking care of each other is the norm. Thank you for spoiling and inspiring me with your stories and your support. Please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and remember to share stories in the name of lovely human connection.